Welcome to Power Players by Orgis, critical thinking to deliver the promise of clean energy. This program brings you leading voices in solar and energy storage and sectors impacting renewables, exploring challenges and solutions for industry growth, the true cost of operating and maintaining power plants, and system asset management considerations. My name is Josh Corbett. I welcome you to this episode hosted by Michael Iman, Managing Director of Orgis Services. Hi, and welcome to Power Players, uh, another installment of the podcast looking at the solar industry and and real players uh, in that industry today and, and trying to grapple with some of the issues that we have out there. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Rear Admiral Ted LeClaire. Ted LeClaire. Uh, Admiral LeClaire is co-founder uh, of the fastest growing uh, wealth management company, RIA, in Austin, Texas, 994 Group. He is also the managing director of Saltwater Leadership. In this role, he spearheads solar leadership's programs on building leaders, uh, as well as as uh, companies. Uh, he has presented several thousand keynote and breakout presentations at major events and around the world during the last 20 years. And uh, his work emphasizes enhanced communications, uh, synthesized goals with mission and actionable tools to with the with the purpose of affecting real change. Um, in addition, Rear Admiral uh, LeClaire brings a unique global perspective and a strong, strong set of leadership skills as a Rear Admiral of the U.S. Navy with over 31 years in active and Navy Reserve duty. He's held command five times and traveled to more than 50 different countries. He currently serves as Deputy Commander, Commander Naval Service Force, U.S. Pacific Fleet. Previously, he served as Deputy Director for Operations at Indo-Pacific Command in Honolulu, Hawaii, and Deputy Commander U.S. 7th Fleet, which is the largest foreign deployed uh, naval force in the world today. Um, Rear Admiral LeClaire holds a bachelor's degree from Villanova, master's degree from Harvard Kennedy School, and as well as another from the U.S. Army War College. He's also a graduate dis with distinction from the Joint Forces Staff College and a top requested Colby consultant. So, Admiral LeClaire, welcome to Power Players. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, shipmate. So, I'm thrilled to be here with you. We are glad to have you here. You know, I, I couldn't think we were trying to think about uh, how to sort of address, you know, helping military people find, you know, transition into renewables and into energy and as well as just, you know, grappling ourselves with some of our own uh, reservists and uh, guardsmen that we have in our service. And so, you know, this was an important segment and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about it because you've you've grappled with this both individually and then from a leadership perspective, both from in the industry as well as as you know, from the, the Navy side of things. And so, you know, with that perspective, you know, what do our sailors, airmen, soldiers, Marines, you, you know, what do they need to be thinking about? when they're thinking about getting out, whether that's retiring, whether that's after four years, whether that's after 10 years, whether that's after yeah. 30, what do they need to be thinking about? Well, the, the thing, the, the way I think of it is, uh, Mike, and I think it's a great question. I think of uh, transitions, and I'll just use that term, anyone that's gonna make a transition in their life, or you could even argue a transformation, where they're gonna do something dramatically different. I actually, years ago when I was at the Kennedy School, I thought of that my transition that I was going through then is learning a new language. And anybody that's tried to learn a foreign language, they just know how difficult it is. And the reason I say that it's because each uh, organization, whether it's the solar power industry, just the energy industry in general, the U.S. Navy, 
it has a, a language of its own. It has its own acronyms, its conferences, key leaders. It has, you know, Rolodexes, just a whole world that you operate in and you have to become part of that. And if you haven't, uh, then you really need to. So when I was leaving the Kennedy School, my own transition, I said, hey, what do I, what really excites me when I wake up in the morning? And one of my professors said, what's the first website you look at? And, or the first app you look at? And is that the thing that really excites you or gets you going in the world? And it's interesting. Uh, so for me back then it was geopolitics, but then geopolitics necessarily doesn't pay the bills. So I said, what do I need to, what, what world do I want to enter? that will be long enough, that'll last long enough, it's not disrupted in the sense that for 30 or 40 years, I could make a new career out of. Well, it was factored into two. It was the financial services world, the globe of, of financial services or energy. Um, and I, it ended up being, I ended up falling in the financial services world, uh, as you mentioned in my background about 994 Group, but it was a that was the driver. And so you, I went and learned a whole new universe of people, a whole subculture, if you will, um, and, and a lot of those speeches that you reference, giving people like what two or three thousand, how's that possible? It's because I did it in the financial services world in a subculture that you know some big fancy high priced person wouldn't really know about. It's just it's that microculture that it, that you know that that I'm talking about. And the folks listening to this, you know what I'm talking about as well. So those folks that are transitioning in uniform today, they have to tackle this as though they're learning a new language and ask themselves what do they get excited about, and then think about, okay, who do I know in that world that can start to introduce me to my own network and grow it from there? Yeah, so what I hear, you know, if I take take what you just said and I sort of boil it down, what I hear is, you know, figure out what you have a, a passion for. That's because, a big part of it for sure. Because that's going to affect, you know, how how much you're you're hopping out of bed each morning and how effective you are how excited you are, how much energy you put towards it, right? Um, I went through that same process myself, right? And I ended up on the, in energy versus the financial services. Uh, and then in renewables, because to your point a minute ago, you wanna be, if you're looking at a 10, 20, 30 year career, you want to be in an industry that is moving up, up and to the right, that's growing. You don't wanna be in an industry that's shrinking. Shrinking industries, by definition, just don't throw off the same amount of opportunities Absolutely. because because people are leaving the industry and the ones that are staying, you have to wait till they either move on someplace else or or retire or whatever in order to move up. And so if you if you really want to have an effect and you want to be in an industry where you have a career that's has longevity, you want to be someplace that's growing. So so when I came into power and renewables, that was my thought. But you know, I did struggle, I have to be honest, with trying to figure out what my passion was because I still wanted a mission. I still wanted something that I could wake up every day and care about. And and I think probably a lot of military people feel that way. So, you know, how do you sort of look at that? Well, it's a huge part of it, but I will say, having, you know, been in both worlds, it's very difficult to replace camaraderie that we have in the military. Um, that's why so many military folks, when they see each other, they immediately, hey, remember that time? Even if you weren't in the same unit or the same squadron, you had a lot of the same memories and or same experiences, I should say. Yeah. Um, and and so one of the things I try to tell folks in the military is don't try to obviously look for a company that's mission based and has core values and they really believe in them. Like I see, you know, you're wearing your Origin services shirt. You know, not everybody goes to companies that have that kind of 
They're not excited about flying their flag, if you will, like you are. And so I think it's important that you, you know, again, those folks in the military look for those companies. On the flip side, I think it's really important for companies to recognize that that's something the military folks are going to want to tap into. They they want to do after work social events. They want to do, you know, group charitable events on Saturdays. It's not, you know, oh, I got to go because work asked me to go. No, they do it because they really do love to bond and they love to be with their fellow employees. And it's more than just a place to go to work. They really it's their teammates. So I think that's that's a big part of it. But uh, um, but the other thing I would say is that, uh, you know, and I, I want to just go back real fast because I was going to mention two quick things about um, what folks in uniform need to look for. They need to ask themselves where they want to work. And then the second thing they need to do is they need to ask themselves about are they willing to travel? Um, I've met a few of your colleagues at Origis and it's like, yep, we're on the road for the next road show. And you know, for military folks, traveling for three or four days or a week's not a big deal. They're used to that. So companies need to recognize that we're awesome because we're used to being bounced around all the time anyhow. So the idea of getting an airplane for a week or two weeks and now with telework the way it is and and the use of Microsoft Teams and other things, a lot of people can live almost anywhere. And I think they need to recognize that. And when they're they're out there interviewing, don't limit themselves to just a geographic area. Because if they're really talented, great companies will figure out a way to work with you. I, I completely agree. You, you also mentioned, you know, building your network and then connecting out to people that can help you. Do you have, you know, suggestions? Have you seen things that worked? I mean, you not just your own transition, but, you know, when you've been in the, as long as you have, you've seen a whole bunch of friends and, and colleagues and people transition out, right? And you've seen that, how that happens. So, the best, you know, do you have recommendations? There? Yeah, the best transition story I've seen um, was he was in Hawaii and he for a year viewed this as a job and he would get up at three mm -hmm. or four in the morning to do East Coast phone calls. And then people would start to realize like, whoa, you're in Hawaii and you're doing this call at four in the morning. And it, again, it's about branding. And so what I do tell people when they're going through a transition, you're always interviewing. You're always it's it's the thank you notes you send. It's the emails you send. It's how quickly you do it. It's how well you organize. It's not just the interview itself. It's the process in in among it itself. The other thing I saw that was really good beyond viewing it as a job and really grinding at it hard was um, the the uh, so the hard part in any of this is not just for the person doing the transition. It's the people that you know. If I said, hey, I, you need to talk to Mike Iman. He, he's the guy. But then someone starts emailing you and then you're like, sure, I'd love to talk to you. Now it's time to schedule a meeting. Well, I'm not free that day. I'm not free that day. I mean, it took us like four months just to schedule this this webinar. Yeah. You know? yeah. So what I tell people is you're lucky if you get one meeting. And after that, what I recommend people to do is every three to four weeks, send an update email. So you just think you're doing this for like a year and a half. And you send an update email and it's to everyone you've ever met, everyone you've ever emailed. They're all in the blind CC line or in the CC line. And it just says update number 11. Hey, had an awesome call with Mike Iman at Origins this week. What a super dude. Renewables are cranking. If anyone out there knows anyone in the renewable world, here are four companies I'm thinking of trying to get in touch with. Because, again, it makes it easy on them. And you're not asking anyone for anything. You're just giving them an update. And the reason is this. I might have coffee with someone uh, or virtually talk to, and I don't know of anything in that moment, but then I have a beer with you three months later, 
And I'm like, oh, my God, I wasn't even thinking of Iman at the time. And I connect you guys. I have 7,000 connections on LinkedIn. So I, I'm not going to remember every single one of them. Uh, and so I tell people, go on their LinkedIn, harvest my LinkedIn account. There's someone on there. I, I'm sure I know them some way, somehow. I'll absolutely introduce you. Um, but so, A, take it like it's a job. B, do that every three to four weeks. Update the, your list and have your list growing. And if you're consistent with that, the people who have done that, they they've landed two, three, four good opportunities. The folks that struggle, well, I put my thing on LinkedIn and I went to this job search site and I put my my resume and I didn't hear anything. Well, you got to work it. You got to drive it. You know, you got to own it. I think most military <clears throat> folks get that, but I think they're intimidated a little, so they get nervous about it. Yeah, I you know, it's been a while since I transitioned out, but but it was that I think for me as well, you know, I recall, and for a lot of people I know, I stay very much open to any military people either currently serving or who have gotten out who reach out to me wanting to talk about, and all they have to do is ping me and I'll, and I'll give them 30 minutes or an hour. I'll, I'll find time in my schedule and I'll just like you, I'll connect them to anybody that I can. And, but, but they need to come to me with, Hey, I I've looked through your connections and I'd really like to connect with this person, this person, this person, this person. Can you do that for me? Because there's no way for me to, you know, like you said, when you have all these connections, I don't necessarily know how to how to make those connections. Well, and it's it's greater when someone yeah. narrows it down. It's like going, it's like someone coming to Austin where we both live and saying, Hey, I'm gonna be in Austin. You recommend any great restaurants? Yeah, dude, there's like hundreds here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> narrow it down. Like you want sushi, do you want barbecue? And now even for barbecue, you got to tell me what hotel you're at, like, because I can, there's 4,000 barbecue joints, so we can narrow it down to, you know, where where you're located. Um, the more you can do the homework for someone else, it just says that I'm I'm laser focused, I'm organized. And if you're not even that laser focused, I mean, there, there's just ways. The six degrees of separation deal, you can get, you can get connected to two or three people really fast. Uh, you just got to put the energy into it. Yeah, I, I tried to get into this industry for some time, and my resume just kept bouncing off the companies, uh, in particular SunPower, who I eventually got on with. But I got on with them by <clears throat> getting in touch with their COO, Marty Neese, at the time, who was the only member at the C-level there who had had a military background. And so he gave me a shot when no one else would. And I've always been grateful to Marty for that. Um Marty will tell you that he's been paid back, but, you know, but nonetheless, I've, I've always been eternally grateful and I've tried to repay that by doing the similar things for others. But but it's important that they do the research when they come um, and understand what it is they want, because where I haven't been able to help people is when they come in and say, hey, I'm getting out. And I say, well, what do you want? And they're like, well, I don't know. Or I just want a job yeah. in this area. I, you know, I don't I don't know how to. You can't I mean, do much with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really hard. So so if they can tell me what are they passionate about, where do they want to live, what type of roles are they interested in, who in my network I you know I can connect them to or what I can specifically do, not only will I follow up on those things for them, but I'll probably help me think of other things that I can do for them as well. Well, right? and the other thing I would say, Mike, and all that is you as you suggest, you're going to help these folks. A, people in the military are wired to want to help other folks, right? That's just how we are. But the same token, um, I always feel that I'm if I'm introducing someone to someone and I think they're really squared away, 
I'm actually doing somebody a favor who could end up hiring them because everybody's hunting for top talent. Yeah. And, and so I don't view it as, oh, I got to ask this guy to do a call. No, I'm like, hey, you should do a call with this person. They're awesome. I know people who worked with them who think the world of them. I'm doing you, you a solid here. I'm not asking you to do me a solid. And so it flips the conversation around. It's, it's, it's not, oh, yeah, someone's looking for a job. No, there's an amazing person. Not only have they served their country and put their life on the line and wrote a blank check, but they got their A game together. So it flips that conversation around. Um, but I do think you can only help someone as much as willing to help themselves. And so to the folks out there listening to this who are transitioning, you've got to get your A game on and figure out some of the basic things because it is hard. What industry do you want to be in? Where do you want to live? How much travel you're willing to do? Um, you know, what are your ambitions of that industry? Uh, because too many military people, especially the folks who are retiring, um, they have kind of put a a uh, um, a view on where they fit into the program, whether it's like, you know, the the, the government service levels, GS 13, 14, 15, or ranks, lieutenant commander, commander, captain, or major, lieutenant colonel, colonel, that, well, I'm only a lieutenant colonel, that's all I'm going to be. And I'm like, whoa, don't limit yourself like that. You, I've known guys that were department heads on a, on a ship, you know, that's like a middle level management job yeah. and ended up being CEO of a Fortune 500. Yeah. Because they didn't put that limitation on who they were. Now, that's, you know, a 32 year old versus a 48 year old. But bottom line is just be careful not to put limits on you, because we've done that to folks in the military because it's so hierarchical. Yeah. And you're going to wait so many years to promote. Civilian world doesn't work that way. All of a sudden you get into a place. It's not the level you want. But within 18 months, you've been promoted twice because people moved on or openings happened. And so you really can't, and I also, so that's a message to both audiences here, right? To the companies out there, you got to get creative and say, okay, now it's not the ideal day that I wanted this person to come knocking on my door, but they did. So how do I fit them in my organization today with the idea that I'll use them one day? And, and this was all in that book, Good to Great, which is about, look, mm -hmm. just get everyone on the bus. I don't know where the bus is actually going, and I don't know where you're going to sit on the bus but I need you on the bus and we'll figure that out as we go along. Um, and then the folks out there, you know, you can't be that particular in the beginning, just get in the door. I remember the job that I transitioned to out of the Kennedy school. And I remember telling the CEOs that I interviewed with, cause I, I was just back from Kuwait. I, I had plenty of people that were introducing me to very high flying people. And I remember getting in these meetings and they're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, look, you take a chance on me. Like Marty Nice, give me a business card, I said a business card, a broom closet, and a telephone, and I'll make it happen. And and I did, you know. Yeah. And and six months later, a guy that I was supposed to work for left. Next thing you know, they're doing a global search for his job because they thought, well, he's he's not experienced enough. They come back a month later and like, guess what? You're in it. <laughs> and and no, you. My, to your point, the phrase you used, bounce off. My resume would have bounced off. Wouldn't even yeah. bounced in. And, uh, and the, so that's the message to folks is you just never know. You just keep pressing those buttons. Well, and, and a lot of the reason why my resume bounced off at the time was because I didn't even know how to say things in a way that the people reading it would understand. I'll, I'll never forget a conversation I had. I, I spent a little time in the software gaming industry, and I was talking to a, a CEO of a gaming company, and he had my resume. And he said, first, Mike, he said, 
this is the coolest resume I've ever seen. You've done some awesome stuff. I mean, he's like, I'm so jealous. He said, second of all, I have no idea what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't really understand it at the time. I mean, now looking back, I do, you know, I talked to so many military people that talk about things like the civilian sector and, and I'll tell them there is no such thing as the civilian sector. That's called the real world. <laughs> and there are no such thing as civilians. Those are called real people. Yeah. You're the one that has been in this microcosm. Everybody else is actually in the broader world. And you have to sort of learn, you know, to couch things in a way that they understand. And so, you know, where I finally turned the corner and where I've seen a number of people do the same was when I hired a professional to help me write my resume, write my letter, update my LinkedIn so that it connected with the people reading it on the other end. It didn't get me the job, but it got me the interview. Yeah. It got me at least, I, I, you know, once I made the connection, it got me to that next step. It didn't, it didn't drop me out. I, I completely agree. Look, in the Navy, I know we offer, it's mandatory. You have to take a transition assistance program class. I have not done it myself yet. I'm always still away from transitioning um, fully. Uh, and I kind of already have a transition plan with, you know, the companies I've helped start and build. However, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And 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 this is, a, you know, this isn't foreign to people in the real world, as you say, but it is to people in the military. The idea of spending like a thousand or two thousand uh, dollars to have someone review your resume, it'd be like, oh. but yeah, it'll come back in spades. And I just think it's short sighted. And again, those services that are out there, they do offer a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. They'll even say, when you come to TAP, bring your resume with you and we'll review it. Um, but it is difficult to get out of the acronym world. Uh, that's why I do see a lot of military folks transition to, you know, big, big uh, DOD contractors because it's the universe. It's the language they know. Yeah. It's the world they're comfortable in. So I get that. Um, but I, again, would would a encourage folks to look beyond that and b the companies are out there. They're looking for top talent. Recognize there's going to be some bumps along the road in the beginning to get someone up to speed with the, the, the world you're in. The cultures are just different. So, look, I think all of those things are, are really valid. And, and but I do want to move on to the topic of reservist and guardsmen. People, yep. you and I have both been reservists for extended periods of time, you longer than I. Um, we have guardsmen that work for us uh, today. Uh, but, you know, employing those uh, people who sort of have one foot in the military and, and one foot in the real world, you know, comes with its own challenges. And so, you know, what what do you have to say to companies who are looking at, at, at them and how they can support them? Well, I, A, I think um, there is risk. Let's just call it what it is. The risk is what? He, you know... Ted or Mike are going to get deployed to wherever. Um, just in the Navy this year, um, we've we've done a pro, chief of Navy Reserve has done what we call IA to zero, and that's uh, individual augmentees on long-term mobilizations. The reason that was happening in the Navy at the level it was was because at the time Admiral Mullen, who was the head of the Navy, was trying to help the Marine Corps and the Army out. Say, hey, give me five thousand of those. I'll, I'll. It's like, hey, give me a bunch of letters. I'll lick the envelopes and we'll do them together. Yeah. And it was, hey, give me 5,000 deployments around the world and we'll do them, even though they're not really core Navy tasks, but we can figure it out. Um, so you're going to see less of that. So, yeah, is there a risk? Sure, there's a risk. But what's the upside? The upside to me is tremendous because you're going to get someone who's a trained leader. 
I have a deep belief in leadership. We do at Saltwater Leadership that people aren't born leaders. You can actually learn to be a leader. It's like learning to play the piano or fly a plane. What do you do? You read a book, you get a teacher, you study, you practice, and all of a sudden, boom, you're a different kind of leader that you want to be. Uh, and there's all sorts of things that you can do from attributes to traits to, um, but bottom line is it is a learned skill and behavior. Um, but for those of you that are hiring reservists or guardsmen, those are folks who've got training in the art of leadership. And last time I checked, most companies aren't short. I mean, are short on leaders. They could use any, any and more at every level. The other thing I think you get from a reservist or guardsman, and we talked about this a little bit, most folks in the military have been bouncing around for a long time, and they are eager to put roots in the ground. They are eager to like stay one place for a while and I don't know what the stat is. My neighbor across the street growing up, he worked at Loomis Sales, a bond company, for 44 years of his life. One job. I think the stat now is like seven, eight, nine, ten. Someone will have 11 different companies in their lifetime. So if a company is betting on someone to want to stick around for a while, not in every instance, but I'm telling you, my bet is reservists and guardsmen are going to hang around for a while uh, because they're looking for stability. They're, they're really – now – Definitely in that transitioning uh, person from active duty, but also folks in the reserve and the guard. And why I say that, because I'll get new reserve jobs and guardsmen may get new positions, sure. but they want stability for their family. And so they don't want to keep churning. And if they get to a company that's supportive of their reserve career and they can make both of those avenues work, then, then that's a really good marriage. And I think you're going to end up keeping people longer. So those are some of the benefits and the risk. Yeah, I think that commitment and those soft skills are one of the things that we select for. And and for sure, companies have a hard time, you know, really keeping and, and finding good leaders in part because they have a hard time defining what good leadership is. Uh, certainly in the corporate world, it gets it gets sort of conflated and tied up with with management, which is a, a, a different thing entirely. Um, and management's those- good. Management's important. I mean. There are times that organizations need managers, and then there are other times they need leaders, and they need both. Yeah, and it, and it, a lot of it is, um, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, on servant leadership, not just talking about it, but also just sort of trying to practice it and refine it as a person. Earlier today, I was I was putting away the dishes in the dishwasher, and I'm the senior person here, and somebody came up and said, why are you doing this? And I said, because if people see me doing it, they'll understand it's everyone's responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... it's you know, lead by example. Yeah, absolutely. And and those are the things that I see in, in the real world that are often lacking, which were characteristics that were really common, you, you know, in, in the military, not just leadership, but just military people as a whole. Um, that companies- hey, you, and I have, you, you and I have served in places where there could be a 40-person line loading boxes, you know, food onto a ship. And it would be nothing for a couple of JOs to hop in the line and help. I mean, that's just how we're wired. And and when I was, you know, when I was on the carrier and, and doing that work, I did the same thing. I jumped in and got dirty as a lieutenant commander and made sure, you know, which is that mid-grade. Yep. One of those guys to see me, you know, being a part of that solution so that they would jump in and be a part of the solution. And that translates very well into the, the real world. Um, <clears throat> what about, you know, We've got about another t- 10 minutes or so here. Okay. And so I want to sort of, you know, come back to our service members, our serving guardsmen, our serving reservists, our active duty people that are transitioning out. 
and, and let's talk about some real concrete things that they can do to sort of get ready for that or to manage that beyond what we've already sort of discussed. Yeah, so I, I think so. The big one is don't wait. I, I think if you're two years within retirement um, or maybe in a year and a half, I, I think it's not too soon to start because especially if you're going to go back home, uh, you could take a couple weeks leave and use some of that leave time to do interviews and see people. Um, I, I just think that you and here's the deal, particularly folks I know that are either other admirals, FOGOs, you know, uh, flag and general officers or yep. senior colonels and captains. They, there's something about, oh, I'm going to run through the finish line and and then all of a sudden they're just wiped out at the end. And that's the wrong answer. They I think it would be uh, expected of the military. There's time that you can just grab an hour or two and do some emails and check in with folks. So that's a big one. Create that LinkedIn account, because I do think LinkedIn's still the preferred place to do things uh, when it comes to business and, and interacting. Um, getting a headshot. I mean, some basic stuff like that. Uh, I I think you know the 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 typical uniform is fine, but I do think you want kind of a an informal headshot. The days of being in the suit and tie, I yeah. think were. But again, I would ask experts, and it depends on the industry you're trying to go in and Very what you want to do. Um, I had another friend who ended up uh, in leadership with the professional sports team, uh, but that was that took him like almost two and a half years. But he met those people while he was on active duty. Uh-huh. And here's the deal, and and I and there's a fine line here with the lawyers and the legal legalities. But when you're in uniform and somebody is always wanting to meet with you, uh, you'd be a fool not to you know collect business cards and then on your own time, whether it's nights or weekends, following up with those people, uh, because it's kind of a convening authority, if you will. You know, you just you may get into something or invited to something you normally wouldn't. Now again, you want to make sure it's above board. I'm not recommending people to do things that violates their ethics or their oath. And, you know, and there's a deep passion around, hey, this isn't about fame or fortune. Our service is about our service to the nation. But that doesn't mean you can't uh, be kind of focused on who you are a little bit. I just met with someone the other day who's transitioning in two months. And absolutely, we spent five minutes talking about Austin and what Austin has to offer and that kind of thing. So you can't wait too long. Um, uh and I would go farther. Take that back. Yeah. The military people tend to have their personal identity really tied up in their professional identity. Right. I would say the real world people have more separation generally, you know, and and it is OK when you're getting ready to to get out for for, you know, Ted LeClaire to have meetings and conversations with where he's going while Admiral LeClaire continues to do his job. Totally you know? agree. And, and that's, I think, a separation that is a bit foreign. To, to military people, but but it's one that that you will do, you know, you will in do in the real world. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you do have to create that bifurcation in your brain uh, and recognize that hey, this is something different. Um, uh, no, I think that's that's really right. I I think the other thing that's important for folks transitioning is get their thinking cap on. This idea that you're done with your master's degree. I mean, you read off all my education. Well, it was it was made clear to me when I was young. Hey, you're going to keep light. Life is about learning. This journey is a learning pursuit. And so especially if you're going to come into a new industry, there's plenty of time that you can be reading up on it. Who's who in a zoo? Who are the key players? Who are the thought leaders? Uh, what are their white papers that are out there that exist in the industry? Books that have been written. 
it's amazing how well versed you can be if you get yourself up to speed on those things. And again, what does it send to people say to people about your brand? You know, you're you're in it. You're all you're in it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting you talk about the education, you know, um, and I'm losing my voice a little. I apologize. But good. Um, the you know, like you. You know, I had gone, I had my undergraduate, I had gone to war college, I had gone to staff college there in Norfolk, you know, I'd done, you know, information operations planners courses and a bunch of other stuff I was highly, you know, qualified. But when I got out, going back to school and doing that MBA with UT allowed me to plant my foot and pivot in a new direction with a qualification that, that directly spoke to what I was doing in the future and not what I did in the past. And you don't have to go back to college. I think the GI Bill is a great tool, and I definitely used it. Um, you know, but but getting some new education, whether that's a trade school, whether that is you know OJT, um, you know, at a lower level, and then building up, whether that's going back for a bachelor's or an advanced degree or or a new degree in a completely new area, um, you know. Those to me, those opportunities to plant your feet and pivot, uh, you know, those are out there and I think people need to use them. Uh, that made the difference for me. I didn't get a full time career and a new opportunity until I was halfway through that and had used that to figure out not only what I want to do, but maybe more importantly, what I didn't want to do. Yeah, that's a great point. I do think there is value in that. Um, I think that. Uh, the other thing that you can do is, you know, just get into a company, get somewhere where you're going to build up your knowledge and build up your, you know, contacts and that it may not be your absolute best favorite choice in the beginning, but just start, like get there. Yeah. Don't keep waiting and waiting and waiting until you think that next best thing is going to come around. Um, because I, I just think that's a, a failed uh, approach uh, to doing this. Um, there's one other thing I was going to say. It uh, slipped my mind, but it'll come back to me. Um, all right, it'll come back. Well, so flipping to the other side, if you're a company, how do you find these people? Because I'll tell you, yeah. you know, we try to hire veterans. I mean, it's important to us. We have a focus on that. It's We have a lot of veterans in this business because it's an operational business, so it's a good fit. But But finding those veterans is not easy finding those transitioning folks finding those reservists and we look you know we've reached out to tap classes we've reached out to the different services and frankly you know from you know when you're coming in from the outside as a company saying i want to hire your people there's there's no <laughs> yeah there's no engagement and in infrastructure to engage with you to accomplish that end so how do companies do this yeah i think so i think the good ones um you know, USAA comes top of mind. I've uh, been a member there a long time. And obviously, they're tied into the military because they have a lot of retired folks that work there. I just think it's there's not a perfect answer. I'm going to give you some options, but the biggest one is blocking and tackling. If you get one person and they're off a ship or whatever, give them a collateral assignment, which is, hey, look, you're also one of our top recruiters. So I learned that long ago from a guy named Marsh Carter. He's everybody in your organization should be a recruiter. They should be encouraged to recruit um, and they should be compensated for it. And then you got to come up with a number that keeps it top of mind. But it shouldn't be, hey, you're lucky to have a job here. You know, go find us talent. Hey, you found us somebody. You're going to get twenty five hundred bucks, like real yeah. money. And oh, by the way, if, if they stay more than two years, you'll get another twenty five hundred trail, <laughs> you know, some kind of 
again, it might sound like a lot of money, but I mean, it's really monkey change if you bring in amazing people. Uh, the other thing that I think companies got to do is look at the associations that are out there. So um, there's a Surface Navy Association. So, you know, Tailhook is an association of, of aviator carrier folks. All of them have, you know, national meetings, uh, Surface Navy Associations in January in D.C. I'm sure they have a, a conference. You know, if you want to come be a sponsor, you get a table. But those things work. I mean, you just keep showing up year after year. You build a network and all of a sudden you're bringing in people. And here's what's interesting about a company like yours. It's non-standard. To have you there would not be the same as sitting alongside Wartzilla and Marionette Shipbuilding and Lockheed Martin and General Dynamics and all these other, you know, typical, oh, and here's our way to get in. You would be off the beaten path, if you will. Um, so, I think those things are valuable. Obviously, each company's got to pick their spots. Um, you know, for instance, you know, guys that you know in your community, just maybe you get a lot of folks to come here, a submarine community. I mean, obviously, you were mentioning rates that do well in your industry because when you deal with energy, uh, you know, it's not some people like who are English majors it may not be, you know, as easy to work in this environment as somebody who's been in an engineering plant or, you know, gas turbine experts or whatever so the transition is going to be different for different people yeah i think that's that's really interesting i hadn't thought about those those organizations right now as a ex-aviator i don't know about the surface organization that might be a bit of a stretch for me there uh <laughs> yeah 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 you can wear your flight suit and i don't know we'll we'll have to see but um but I hadn't thought about those organizations as as a point of entry and sponsoring some of those events and being there. That's an interesting suggestion that, frankly, is new. And so I, that, I really appreciate that comment. Um, you know, final final thoughts here. We're we're sort of close to the end of our time, but like, yep. as we close this out, what are the things that you want people who are hearing this back and forth to really take away? Well, the biggest foot stomper and the reason I think you invited me to come on is that the military is a, a tremendous uh, opportunity uh, for corporate America, whether it's, you know, big, you know, Fortune 500s or startups. Um, you know, I think that the person in the military, they're going to self-select to what kind of organization they want to go to, one that's really big and stable and, you know, they've got consistent processes and systems in place or Maybe that's part of the Navy they didn't like or the military that it was too structured and they're looking for more of the startup. Well, there's plenty of those things out there. So I think the big one for the folks out hiring is the Navy, the military, all services is an extraordinary place to to look um, because you're going to get people who really they loved being part of something. I always ask people, hey, what's your when story? And I'm like, what do you mean when? When is the first time you thought or remembered thinking about wanting to serve in uniform? And why that's important is because it goes to the core of who that person is. Now, maybe uh, it wasn't the best experience, totally what they hoped it would be. But deep down, that person, like a firefighter, a nurse, you know, you ask a nurse, why'd you become a nurse? Well, I wanted to take care of people. But what about you made you want to do that? Uh, and we all know there's a crazy nursing shortage in the country right now. More than, There was one before COVID. There's even one now after COVID. And there's huge demand. Uh, it's because there's something about people like that that are special. They're just special to have in your organization. They're givers. They care about people. So I think the military, that is in every one of us. We just have to tap into that. 
Uh, I also think corporations that are focused on leadership, that are focused on core values and beliefs, teaming, those are things, again, that um, are hard to do, but the ones that get it right, they're gonna, it's going to be an easy attraction for the folks in the military. And I think for the folks in the military, um, I, I would just say that everything in the real world, as you call it, the corporate world, is not the same. Uh, we don't have things called 96s. Those of you in the real world, 96 is having Friday, Monday, Friday through Monday off. We don't do that in the corporate world. In the real world, you know, you're going to work just as hard, if not harder, and don't lose sight of that. Uh, when we're not deployed or we're not, uh, you know, on a mobilization or something, yeah, maybe the hours are a little bit more friendly because we know we're going to get more out of you on a deployment or a mob and we try to make it up to you. But the business world that I worked in, if you're going to be a high flyer and really work at a high level, it's going to be competitive and you're going to be not just competing with other people that in the area you live, you're going to be competing globally uh, like we do in the military. So I just would caution folks who want to leave the military thinking it's going to be easier. It's probably the wrong way to think about it. It's just going to be different. It's going to be different set of challenges, but the real, real good ones, the people who are really going to deliver at a high level, you're going to put the time in like you do in the military. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a money is the the end of all things kind of person. Uh, you know, I, I'm a mission guy, but I did see a quote the other day that I thought was interesting, and, it, and I think it said something like, you know, if you want to spend money, you know, uh, in like other people can't, meaning you want to have enough money to really spend, then you have to be able to work harder than they're willing to, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think military people coming out who have worked so hard, you know, for whom so much has been asked that level of work becomes comes quite easy it does and and that is something you really get from those military members absolutely uh, that that said and i think we can probably uh you know do 10 of these and never cover this whole subject and and i and i do want to bring you back someday and let's talk in a little more depth about some things but for today we are indeed out of our time okay. uh, so admiral claire Thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, you know, you know, keynote speaker, CEO, uh, you know, and and Rear Admiral Upper Half. You know, Ted, you are indeed a power player in this industry <laughs> and in the industries you're in. And I really do appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. Well, Mike, thanks. And I I'm really grateful to Origus. I think it's awesome that you guys do this, and uh, I I really think it's great to have these conversations, but really to put. Uh, servicemen and women who have given so much to our country, uh, you know, not just the million plus who have sacrificed everything, uh, but the ones that are out on point today doing their uh, doing their duty to keep our nation the way we want it to be. Um, I just think it's great. And uh, hopefully some of them will listen to this and this will make a difference. Even if we just find one person, you know, we get one connection that it works out great because they heard this. It'll be worth the, uh, the time and uh, it, it's been worth it just to see you. Uh, you know, you're the real deal, and I'm just so thrilled to see you doing so well. And you're just a real shining example uh, of what, you know, someone who has served in our military and what they can do in the civilian world, too. So thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Thank you. We'll talk. You got soon. it, brother. Find summary thoughts on this topic and more insights into operating your clean energy assets at OrgisServices.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Power Players by Orgis, critical thinking to deliver the clean energy promise.